All right, you've joined us for the conclusion of this series, Autocorrect. We've been learning how the Word of God applies to every area of our lives and how eager Jesus is as Almighty God to help us in every area of our lives. Welcome to those of you watching in The Point, enjoying your donuts and coffee in there. Hey, today we're talking about parenting, and instead of asking all the parents to raise their hands, I would say you can just look around the room for people whose eyes are twitching. By their eye twitch, you shall know them when it comes to parenting. Uh, the other day, it had snowed outside, and I built a fire in the fireplace, and some of the family was playing on the ground with the dog in front of the fireplace, and I thought, this is just such a picture-perfect moment of our wonderful little family. I'm going to get out my phone, and I'm going to take a little video of just how ideal life can be in these little snapshots when life is going perfect. Now, when you watch this video, just listen for the audio and you'll understand why my eye is sometimes twitching. Go ahead and have a look. Jack, listen! This was us! Jack! 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 Fourteen seconds of my life right there for you. And I'm, you know, I'm like, why can't you just get up and walk over to him? What if you keep yelling like he's on the other side of the house when he's eight feet away from you? Just, just hop up off the couch and go over there and, and talk to him. But this is what parenting's like, right? I was reading the other day these hilarious parenting tweets. Here's the first one. It says, my four-year-old talks a lot of smack for someone wearing Crocs on the wrong feet. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? There's like so much talking back and they can't even get their shoes on the right feet. Wife, why is there a mouse trap in the fridge? Me whispers to toddler, why is there a mouse trap in the fridge? Toddler whispers back, because that's where the cheese is. Me, because that's where the cheese is. Makes sense. Me, I have three small kids, so preparing a healthy breakfast can be a challenge some mornings. Friend, obviously friend without kids, you should meal prep at night to make things easier. Me, I guess I should have mentioned that the kids live here at night too. There's no rest. There's no escape. <laughs> Letting my kids watch Jurassic Park for the first time. Me, this came out in 1993. This came out when I was your age, kid. Oh, like when the dinosaurs were really still around? <laughs> One of the great things about having kids is that even if you completely forget to set your alarm, they guarantee you will never, ever oversleep or sleep in for that matter. Now look at LeBron James' facial expression in this picture. He's really upset about a call that a referee made, and the caption captures parenting life. Every single conversation I have with my kids. That's about it. Well, parenting is stressful. It's also joyful, and it goes really fast, this window of time. It seems like the younger they are, the more demanding they are, the faster the time goes. We recently had a birthday party for our middle daughter, Zoe. She just turned seven. And here's Zoe at her birthday party. And I wasn't expecting it. I had this really emotional moment at her birthday party. She had a little cupcake and Mel, my wife, asked me to put the candles on the cupcake. So Zoe's sitting there and some of her friends are gathered around. And I hadn't thought this through, but as I put the first candle on, I just had this flashback to the same day, seven years ago, 
when she was born and just how tiny she was. And so as I put that candle on, I said, Zoe, I, I remember the night you were born and how little you were and how tiny you were. And then I put the next candle on, I said, I remember when you were one year old, rocking you and walking you around the house at night and, and you waking up in the middle of the night crying and soothing you. And then I put the next candle on, I said, I remember when you were a toddler and you were waddling around and whenever you'd say your name, Zoe, you would say, we you. I wee you. And I just went through the different years. And before I knew it, my eyes were tearing up. And I was just realizing, man, these seven years have gone so fast. And in this amount of time again, she's going to be 14. And then that amount of time again, she's either going to be graduating from college or getting married. I mean, this is going so fast. And as I processed that, it reminded me of this movie clip from the movie Cheaper by the Dozen 2 with Steve Martin. If you've got kids or grandkids, I'm sure you can think about them as you watch this. In this clip, Steve Martin's family is actually in a feud with another family, and they're about to have this competition. But Steve Martin's middle school-aged daughter has a crush on a boy from the other family. And it's one of these moments where you realize how fast the time is going. Go ahead and take a look. You know, whether for you it's your kids at home or your grandkids, we all have those next generation people that we love and we have those moments where we just realize how quickly the time is going. And one of our universal desires that we all have is we wanna see our kids and our grandkids and the kids that we love, we wanna see them grow up to live lives of joy and purpose and freedom. We want them someday to have healthy marriages. We want them someday to have meaningful careers. We want them to have stability in life. And we want them to be free from addictions and free from enslaving habits and behavior. And so the question we're asking today is this, what can I do, what can you do to put our kids on a path that leads them to success and to freedom? Whether it's your grandkids you're thinking of or your neighbor's kids, or your own kid like me thinking about Zoe at her birthday, what can you do to set them up for success, to get them on a path that will lead them to freedom? Very early in my career as a news reporter, I learned firsthand that people's choices and beliefs end up shaping their lives. And here's what I mean, as, as I started to interview people of all different kinds, from millionaires and billionaires to heroin addicts and prostitutes and people living on the street, I realized very early that what a person chooses to believe about themselves and about the world, and what a person daily chooses to do, their daily choices, those two things shape a person's destiny. And as parents and grandparents, how can we help our kids form beliefs and form choices and choice patterns that will lead them to a life of freedom, victory, and success rather than a life of slavery. I remember one heroin addict in particular who I profiled, and she'd grown up in an upper middle class home. Both her parents were attorneys. She grew up in a, a stereotypical pink little bedroom with stuffed animals on her bed. Somewhere in high school, she made beliefs and choices that led her to start experimenting with drugs. And by the time she was 19, she was a heroin addict living in a drug house, all because of what she chose to believe and what she chose to do. 
And the scary thing about parenting is that we can't control what our kids are gonna do and believe, especially as they get older. It's like every day they get older, we lose a little bit more of that control. We can't control exactly who they're gonna become and what life choices they're gonna make, but we can control, especially while they're in our homes, what path we're putting them on. And so how do we do this? How do we get them on a path that leads to freedom and success? Well, as always, we look into God's word when we gather here. We wrestle with the hard questions of life, and then we say, what does God have to say about this? And here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. God's word says, direct your children onto the right path. What's the right path? Well, it's God's way of living, God's way of seeing the world. And then when they're older, they will not leave it. Or an older translation of this verse says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Now, sadly, the verse is, it's a true statement of reality, it's a principle, but it doesn't mean we can manipulate the outcome of our kids. I wish we could. I wish we could, but you know, there was one time when there was a completely perfect parent, and he had two kids in a completely perfect environment. One kid's name was Adam, the other kid's name was Eve. And in a completely perfect environment with a completely perfect parent, they used their human free will to turn away from God and to invite sin and brokenness into this world. So as our kids become adults and as they make choices, they will make mistakes and we can't beat ourselves up when they do, they have a free will. But God does give us this principle. While we can't control what they're gonna do, we can control how we're gonna raise them. And here's the big idea. I have a few short years to influence a lifetime. Whether it's your grandkids you're thinking of or children in your home or the children in our movement as we collectively say we wanna raise the next generation with each one of them, we have a few short years, a little window that closes a little more every day, a few short years to make a lifetime of impact. One of my friends puts it this way. He says, in parenting, especially when the kids are young, the days are long but the years are short. The days are so long because you're just exhausted and just trying to keep them alive and feed them and wipe bottoms and all that stuff is just exhausting. And the days are so long, but the years go so quickly. I have to say, if you're here and you have kids who are under the age of three, I just have to say this because I wish someone had said it to me, it does get better. Just survive those first two or three years, okay? I wish someone had told me that. When our kids were really young, none of them slept well in the night. They were all colicky or whatever you wanna call it. They just, you know, stole our years of our lives pretty much by not letting us sleep. And I remember in that time asking one of my friends whose kids were older, I said, does it get any easier? And he said, no, it doesn't. And I, I stand up here to declare to you, he lied to me. It does get easier. The kids get crazier, that's true. But at least in my case, I can handle crazy if I've had a night of sleep. So if you're in those first three years and you're like, am I gonna die before I hit age 30 or 40? Hang in there, you will make it. The days are so long, but the years are so short. The years do go so quickly. And if we're not careful because the days are so long, we can be so much in survival mode that before we know it, they're off to college and we look back and we think, man, I'm glad I kept them alive 
but I wish I had shaped them a little more. I wish I'd been a little more intentional. God puts it this way in Deuteronomy chapter four. He's speaking to a movement like our movement, actually a nation of people who are following God. And he says this to the grandparents and the parents. He says, first of all, watch out. And what he means here is be intentional. Don't let the busyness and the chaos of life um, get in the way of you really raising your kids in a spiritual manner. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. And the idea there is don't forget how you've seen God work. We as a church can't forget how we've seen God work for this congregation. You as a family can't forget how you've seen God's, God work. And, and the passage goes on to say, be sure to pass this on to your children and your grandchildren. God's saying to people who mean well and love him, but life's busy just like us, he's saying, don't forget the miracles I've done. Don't forget how I showed up for you and make sure with your kids and your grandkids while they're impressionable, while they're young, that you tell them these God stories about how God showed up when we didn't know how we were gonna pay the bills or when we needed a place to stay or when we needed a house or when I was so lonely and praying for a spouse and he led me to your mom. Tell the kids these stories of God's faithfulness and let them know that he's a faithful God. Shape them in that way. I was reading this last week about sapling trees. You know, when a tree's little and it's still flexible and bendable and how a tree can be shaped. And uh, this is actually a picture of a bent tree that was bent on purpose. It actually turns out Native Americans would do this on purpose to create signposts and trails. So they've discovered all around North America these trees that were bent originally by Native Americans and very often one like this would point to another one which would point to another, and eventually it would lead to either a spring of water or some other significant site. But the interesting thing is, if a tree gets bent like this when it's little, when it's flexible and moldable, whether it's bent by the wind or obviously in a case like this, bent with ropes in a very intentional way, then eventually as that tree continues to grow, those ropes can be removed, and for the rest of this tree's life, it will grow in that shape. And God says, we can't control the free will choices our kids will make, but we can control what influences them when they're young and moldable and impressionable and in our homes. And really this big idea, it's this sense of having some intentionality and some urgency and saying, I wanna, I wanna make sure I shape the voices that are influencing my son and my daughters. I wanna shape the voices that influence their identity and their choice patterns. You know, I've realized as I've read the word of God and I've seen it in my life, that the best inheritance I can give my kids is to teach them God's truth. The best inheritance you can give to your grandkids, to any children you love, is to teach them God's truth. Now, I haven't told most of you about my family of origin that much, but my grandpa on my dad's side, he actually became a follower of Jesus back during World War II. And as soon as he became a follower of Jesus, he was like a fanatic, devoted. He went to seminary, he became a pastor, and my grandpa was actually a pastor for more than 40 years. He raised my dad to love Jesus, and my dad has been a pastor for more than 40 years. And so I grew up in a home that uh, materially we did not have very much. Um, we really lacked a lot of the things that most my friends had. And if I wanted to, you know, get a nice bicycle or whatever, I have to go, you know, mow lawns and get that stuff myself. And I remember growing up, just the selfishness of my heart 
Yeah, I'm still selfish, Mel will tell you, but this was a season when I had turned away in, in high school and early college where I had turned away from God. And um, you know, some of you have that where you're doing your best to raise your kids and they're in a season where they've turned away. And I said, don't, don't, don't give up praying for them. My parents didn't give up praying for me. But I remember in that season comparing myself to my buddies whose parents had normal white collar jobs. And I knew based on their family lifestyles and savings and finances that my friends, one college was paid for and then someday they're gonna get an inheritance when their parents die. And I knew based on my parents' and grandparents' lifestyles, there's no inheritance ever coming for me. And I remember in those years so selfishly thinking, man, it'd be so nice to know there's a windfall inheritance coming someday. It'd be so nice to know that if I don't make it in my career, I have something to fall back on or that there's something. And, and I had that, that just selfishness in me. Well, as I've gotten older and as I've seen how the world works as a news reporter and now through the lens of scripture as a pastor and as I've counseled and prayed with so many different kinds of people and families, I've realized that my grandpa and my dad they really gave me the most valuable inheritance that I could ever have or want. Because they taught me from a young age that this book is a love letter from God's heart and that it's the standard for what we do and believe and that it's a light that will always lead you to paths of freedom. And I've now seen in my life that this book, even when my grandpa and dad aren't with me, tells me what to do and it leads me to freedom, it leads me to success. And I've seen people who have gotten windfall inheritances of a bunch of money, but if they don't know this wisdom, they don't even know what to do with it, and very often they hurt themselves with it. The most valuable inheritance you can give to your kids or your grandkids is to teach them the truth of God's word that leads them to the heart of God toward them. God himself puts it this way in Deuteronomy chapter six. He says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. He's talking about scripture, the word of God. And then it says, repeat them again and again to your children. Now, I remember this growing up because my dad and grandpa, they would make us read the Bible so much. I was so annoyed. I hated it. It was so annoying as a kid. I mean, in middle school, I remember every morning I'd wake up, I'd go to the breakfast table and my dad would hand out the Bibles and we'd open up to the book of Proverbs and we'd have to go around the table reading a verse and we'd have to at the end say, here's the verse I'll apply to my life today. And I remember as a middle school student and in high school years, just hating it. But I'm so glad now that they did it. They repeated God's word to me again and again. My grandpa died when I was pretty young, but I do have some memories with him. And I remember that when we'd go on family vacation, he had these poems that were like chapters of the Bible. And he would make us all do these little hand actions and memorize these chapters of the Bible. Like, for example, Psalm chapter one says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands not in the way of sinners, you know, and then it goes on, it's like, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, you know, super corny, super corny, but guess what? When I was in my early 20s, I'm living by myself, I'm working as a news reporter, that was still in my mind, it was still in my heart. Seasons of my life where I turned away from the truth, that truth was still in there. The tree had been shaped when it was moldable, when it was flexible. And even when I turned away, God brought me back. This passage continues and it says this, talk about 
the truth in God's word. When you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. You know, it's very interesting. The idea in this passage is that for our kids, it's not just behavior modification. And it's not just little cliches like, well, be nice. You know, don't hit your sister. Why not, dad? Well, just because we're supposed to be nice. You know, that's, that might sound okay, but it's pretty kind of shallow. It doesn't really, but, but it's a big difference when it's like, well, hitting your sister is a sin. She's made in the image of God and God loves her. And when you hit her, it offends God and it separates you from God. Now, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and our sins can be forgiven, but hitting people is a big deal because people have a creator and there's a standard above us. And when, when we teach them God's view of reality and that everything ties back to God, they have this structure for their identity and for their life choices that's way bigger than their peers or even you as their parents. And yes, they'll go through ups and downs, but we can give them that structure where they see they're tied into something so much bigger than them. And within that system, they're loved, they're valued, they're wanted, they're secure in the person of Jesus. So interesting to me that this passage was written three or 4,000 years ago. You know, they weren't driving around in SUVs or minivans when they were on the road. Uh, they were walking and they weren't going to bed in the same kind of beds we do, but aren't the rhythms of family life pretty timeless? I mean, we all have these moments when we're at home. We all have these moments when we're on the road. We all have bedtime moments and we all have breakfast moments. And what God says here in Deuteronomy 6 is be intentional with those moments. You know, if I'm not careful, I can view success as the kids just being quiet and leaving me alone. But the reality is if they're always just quiet and, not, and leaving me alone, I don't really know what's going on in their hearts and in their lives. And as much as I hate to say it, it's a lot of the times when they're annoying me and making noise and bugging me that it's an opening to know what's actually going on in their heart and in their mind. And if I will humble myself and love them enough to set my agenda aside, I can connect to what they're going through and then I can connect it back to God's word for them. The other day I was driving with Jack and we were driving home from a basketball practice and we were listening to some song. Uh, he loves picking songs on my Pandora radio and, and it wasn't a Christian song, but there was something about the universe or galaxies. I forget what it was. And I paused it and I started one of my little commentaries of, oh, you know, Jack, that reminds me of how God created everything. And, you know, Jack's nine. Here's a picture of him. And he looks over at me and he goes, um, dad can I tell you something? And I'm like, yeah, buddy. He's like, you're kind of obsessed. <laughs> you're kind of obsessed with God and the Bible. It's like all you ever talk about. <laughs> so I thought about it and I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. That's, that's pretty, pretty much true. Um, can I, buddy, can I tell you why I'm obsessed? He was like, yeah, sure. I was like, well, I can think of at least two reasons. The first is this. Me and your mom, we both have obsessive personalities. I mean, when I was a kid, it's cars. I still, you know how I'm with Toyota Land Cruisers. Like, I just obsess about things. And one of the things I learned as a reporter is that people who have obsessive personalities, you got to focus in on something that's positive and healthy, or else you'll obsess on something that's negative and takes you down dark paths. And I've just learned with, with the way I'm so passionate about whatever I get into, I've if I make it God in the Bible, it leads me to better and better places. But if I make it other stuff, you know, sometimes it leads me in bad places. So by the way, 
you've inherited that. He's like, no, I haven't. I'm not obsessive. I was like, oh, come on. Pokemon, Beyblades, dinosaurs, alligators and crocodiles, reptiles, amphibians. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm obsessed too. So I was like, but there's an even more, there's an even more important reason why it seems to you like I'm obsessed with God in the Bible. And the reason is this, you know, right now I get to ride with you in the car wherever you're going and we get to talk about your day, but someday you're going to be riding in a car and I won't be sitting next to you. And you'll be making a big choice about what do I do with this girl I like or what do I do with the job I want or what do I do with my money? And the best gift I can give you as a dad is to help you know that if you look into God's word, the Bible, it'll always lead you in the right way. That's the best gift I can give you. And so I'm sorry if I seem obsessed, but that's why. And he said, dad, I'm never moving out of the house. He didn't say it in response. He was saying, when I said someday you'll be driving by yourself, he, he's like, I don't want to leave. I was, he was like, when I go to college, can I still live at home? I was like, it's fine with me, but I guarantee you as you get older, you're going you're gonna to eventually want to be out on your own. So anyhow, you know, the point is that we're all different in how we connect with our kids and how we bring God's word into their lives. And you might hear a story like that and think, well, you know, John's a talker and he loves talking about God. So it's very easy for him, but I could never do that. And here's where I want to encourage you with two things. First of all, I feel like I fail at this every day. When I read these passages of scripture and I realize how short the window of time is, I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I'm failing. So if you feel that way, we're all in the same boat. Second thing is you need to know that the child or grandchild that God gave to you, you are the best person in all of human history and all of the universe to raise that child or grandchild. God ordained that that child would be in your life and under your care. And them riding with me in the car and me telling them about Jesus would not be nearly as effective as you because you were created by Almighty God from eternity past to point that little heart to Jesus in ways that only you can. And don't compare yourself thinking, well, I couldn't do it like this person or that person. You don't need to. You do it like you. And you ask Jesus, God, God, how do I shape my child's heart toward you? How do I shape my grandchild's heart toward you? And if you'll seek him, he'll show you. There's no perfect one. Here's the only way to do it. It's just about being intentional and saying, God, I do want to shape their hearts. I do want to put them on that path. Well, I'm about to up here on stage, take a big toolbox and kind of dump it out. And a bunch of tools are gonna scatter on the ground, parenting tools, okay? And I don't want you to feel overwhelmed as I dump these tools out. You might think, whoa, that's just so many tools. I wanna encourage you, pick one or two things that you will do consistently. You know, we've all met that person who has like a whole bunch of brand new power tools, very expensive tools, but they never use them. And we all also know that person who has very humble, old, you know, tools that have been around for a long time, but they use them consistently. And the point is, it's not about how shiny the tool is. You get results if you use the tool and if you use it consistently. Same with working out, right? You can meet someone who's got the greatest shiny workout equipment that costs thousands of dollars, or you meet a person who just does jumping jacks and push-ups and runs, and it's really just about doing something consistently. So it's the same with our parenting tools. Not all of us are called to use all of these tools, but we are called to use some tool and use it consistently. So I wanna just give you a few of those. Here comes the toolbox, okay? First of all, you can visit our parenting team in the lobby today. We have an entire staff of full-time experts here who exist 
to help you with your parenting and your grandparenting. You need to know that you're not in it alone, okay? We are here to help you. And I, I know I need that. I, I need other people who say, well, here's how we handled that discipline issue, or here's how we read the Bible in a way that our kids get excited about it. And so know that you're not in it alone. And part of our parenting team is out in the lobby today. They've got some free books and resources they'd love to give to you. Second is that we have, for lack of a better word, a church library. And you might hear the word church library and think like old flannel graphs, dusty, musty, moldy stuff. But this is actually a very up-to-date, modern uh, church library of resources. We have DVDs, CDs. We actually have online streaming subscriptions that you can be part of, of content that you can get into the hearts and minds of your kids and your grandkids as well as parenting content and grandparenting content. So I'd encourage you to check that out. If you're not yet in a small group, you can sign up for a small group and our groups team would be happy to get you in a group. If you want a group where all the other parents, the kids are about the same age, we can help you find that. If you're like, I'd rather be in a group with some older people who've actually succeeded at this and ask them how to do it, we can get you in a group like that, okay? Let me show you just one of these resources from our church library. By the way, it's free for you to check out these resources. This is a, uh, a picture of Jack holding up uh, Adventures in Odyssey audio CDs. Adventures in Odyssey are like these little audio drama stories where the characters go through all sorts of conflict and exciting things, but they learn a principle of Jesus or the Bible in the journey. And um, our, kids, our kids love these. It's just one example for you, whether it's your grandkids or your kids, of the kind of tools that are here if you'll look into it. Other things are just, you know, be, ask God to bring the right tools to you. I, um, I do read the Bible with Jack. And so what I did with Jack, because he's old enough now, he can read uh, a chapter or half a chapter if I sit there with him and we talk through it. But I realized we needed some positive motivation. So since Jack is into reptiles and amphibians right now, we decided, okay, we're going to make out a chart and we're just going to go through the New Testament, and by the time we get to the end of the New Testament, the reward is that we're going to go down to Florida and we're going to see some crocodiles and alligators live and in person. You know, this is actually a principle from Proverbs called bribery. <laughs> uh, and I'm not asking you to break any laws. In fact, I'm counseling you to not break any laws. But there is a verse in Proverbs that says a bribe opens the door for whoever gives it. Anyhow. <laughs> Here's what I know. When Jack is in his 30s and he's making life choices, I won't be able to control what he's choosing or believing or thinking or doing. And I just want to look back and know I did everything I could. And however much that alligator trip ends up costing me in the end, if it gets him to read through the New Testament and us do it together, it'll be worth it. Now, when I put all three of our kids to bed at the same time, I used to try to open up a, a Jesus storybook Bible and read them a Bible story. And here's what I've learned. Three against one, they always win. Like one of them has a comment, then another one has a comment, then it reminds one of them of a friend. And then, it, and I mean, it's just like, before you know it, it's 10 p.m. And all we've done is talk in circles. And so what I found is actually an audio book of a kid's story Bible. And it's just an audio book that's on my phone. And after we kind of sing and pray and the lights are off, I just play that audio Bible and they're just laying there in the dark listening to it. Now, again, that's just one tool. And as they get older, it probably will have to change into some other tool. But where I want to encourage you is to just be intentional and be asking, what are some tools I can use? Here's a few more for you. Know that we are here 
to help. And by we, what I mean is that you're part of a movement and a tribe. I mentioned earlier the top-notch staff that we have working from birth all the way through 12th grade to help you with parenting, but that's not all. We have really an army of volunteers here who've all been background checked and who all serve in Kids City all the way up to our 12th graders. And the reason they're serving in there is that they're passionate about raising the next generation to follow Jesus. Um, And I was actually just looking the other day at a picture of a group, a small group of boys from first grade. And I looked at that picture and guess what? Those boys stayed in their small group all the way through grade 12. Now they're in college. One of them's at Purdue, one of them's at IU. One of them's studying pharmacy, one of them's studying criminal justice, one of them's studying to be a pastor. And they are where they are because they had this little tribe of families, single parents included in this tribe, to where the kids had other parents who were saying the same thing. And they had mentors and older students who were saying, Jesus does lead to freedom. He does lead to peace. He does lead to joy. And they had people they could go to when they were making those choices in high school about what they would do and believe. You can sign up for future parenting classes. Lord willing, we're planning in the fall to launch parenting classes so that from birth through 12th grade, you can be in a class with other parents of kids the same age and learn not only principles for discipline and you know, behavior modification, but more importantly, principles for connecting the heart to Jesus. So we're not just raising our kids, but we're actually spiritually discipling the next generation. So all sorts of tools. If you text the word parenting to this number, 317-350-1996, you can sign up for those future classes. You can get the Parent Q app. There's, you know, I could overwhelm you if I keep going. But I wanna encourage you to keep praying for your kids, whether they're in diapers or maybe your kids are in your 40s or your 50s, never stop praying. I told you about that season where I wandered away and my parents kept praying and God brought me back. When I first left journalism and became a pastor, the very first Easter sermon that I delivered was to about 80 people. And one of those people was a guy named Stuart Hopkins. Stuart was in his mid-60s and Stuart believed in Jesus that day and he had a radical conversion and got baptized and has been a Christian and a follower of Christ ever since. But Stuart's story is that he had been raised in a Christian home. He had turned away in his 20s and all through his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and most of his 60s, he had completely turned away. But his mom, her name's Love, she had never stopped praying for him. And there in his mid-60s, God brought him back. So if you're here and this topic is stirring up for you painful emotions or regret, just know that God works all things together for good. Don't stop praying. Sometimes he brings them back and we get to see it. Other people like Stuart who have been able to lead to the Lord whose parents are already in heaven and they're watching from heaven as their child returns to God. Train up a child in the way they should go. And in the end, they won't depart from it. Well, I got to tell you this one last story. It's from an author named Brene Brown. And she writes this story about her daughter who is a middle school student, or actually late elementary. Point is, her daughter comes home from school and her daughter's crying, runs up to her bedroom and she's sitting on her bed crying. And Brene's not sure what to do. So Brene goes up there and, and at first she's going to, you know, kind of give her all this wisdom and advice. And, and then she remembers this quote that compassion is best expressed not by coming in from the top to rescue, but by sitting alongside. And so she decides to just sit there next to her daughter. 
And she, you know, starts to draw out of her, what's going on? And her daughter said, I'm just so tired of being one of the others. Brandon said, what, what do you mean by one of the others? And her daughter said, well, every day at recess, you know, there's these two really strong athletic kids who are the two captains and they pick teams for kickball. And they always say, you know, I've got Jake, I've got Jamal, I've got, and there's all the athletic kids get picked right away. And then there's this crowd of us who don't really matter. And they say, and just split the others. And her daughter said, I'm just so tired of being one of the others. I'm tired of not mattering. I'm tired of no one knowing who my name is or caring or people just laughing at me or considering me worthless. And instead of just, you know, giving her a whole bunch of life advice, Brene just entered into that moment with her and just let her know that she has experienced that as well. And she didn't make it about her, but she made it about that we all need identity. We all need purpose. We all need significance. And the daughter said, well, mom, I, I don't know if you can relate because you're a really famous speaker and writer and people like you, you're really popular. And they kept talking about this. Well, about three weeks later, Brene got a poster in the mail because she had a big conference she was gonna speak at. And she was so excited because at this conference, there were some really famous speakers and it was her first time being at that big of an event. And she was so excited for this poster to see her face and her name next to these other famous people. So she gets the poster in the mail and she unrolls it and she's looking and there's, you know, famous person name, famous person name, famous person name and others. And her name wasn't on there. And her daughter witnessed this moment and came over and said, Mom, looks like you're one of the others too. <laughs> and then this really precious moment together around vulnerability and around just being honest about how hard life is together. And to me, that story is a reminder that so many of the times when our kids are crying or broken or lashing out or upset, the goal is not just to get them to be quiet and good, the goal is to connect them to the heart of God in those moments. And very often we do that best, not by coming down from above, but by coming in next to them and letting them know we're broken as well. We feel like others too. We have fears, we have anxieties, and it's Jesus who keeps us together and who provides for us. If you're like me, thinking about parenting through the lens of those scriptures about this urgency and this closing window, you feel inadequate. I know I do. And so I want to close by just giving you this idea that you do have a perfect parent. You have a father, a creator, who does sit with you when you feel like one of the others. And in the person of Jesus, he didn't just shout down from above or say, get your act together, but he came into our world and he's felt our pain and he sits with us when we cry. And when you feel like, I don't know how to be a parent in this situation, or I don't know how to be a grandparent in this situation, you can go to him. You know, we can't give unconditional love to our kids if we haven't received it for ourselves. We can't show them what peace looks like if we haven't received it for ourselves. So if you're hearing this and you're like, great, I'm just failing in one more area, thank you, John. You know, if that's you, and I know that's me, be reminded you have a perfect father. None of us will ever be perfect parents, so just lower the bar. None of us will ever be perfect parents, but all of us have a perfect parent. And as we look to him, and as we point to his word, and just one day at a time say, God, how do I raise this child to love you? He will lead you. He has designed you of all people in human history 
to raise that child for him. Let me pray that for you now. Father, in this room, we do need your help in every area of our lives. Lord, I just thank you that when we are crying on our bed in our room or just bottling it all up inside, that you're there and that you care and that you're with us and that you're for us. God, more than anything, we need to know that you're our father, a perfect father. Lord, if there's anyone listening to this who doesn't know you in that intimate father-daughter, father-son, father-child way, I pray that today would be the day that they believe in Jesus. It's when we place our faith in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins that we are adopted into the family of God. And we're no longer orphans in the universe. We are sons and daughters of the King. And Lord, I pray that everyone listening here will know that they're a son or daughter because they've placed their faith in Jesus and that we have an identity, we have a significance, we have a purpose that no situation or person could ever strip away from us. Father, as we live in our new identity, will you parent us? We're all just big kids in here and we need your help in our lives. We need your provision in our lives. We need not only your financial and physical and emotional provision, but God, when it comes to raising the next generation, Lord, we just lift our hands up to you and say, there's no way we could do it, God. The currents of this world are so strong. The distractions are so strong. The screens are so many. The time is so short. There's just no way we could do it in our strength. And so we look to you. We call out to you. And we claim your promises. God, it's our desire for every kid represented in this room, 50-year-old kids and five-month-old kids. It's our desire that we would train them up in the way they should go. It's our desire that we would connect your word into their lives when they're driving and when they're going to bed and when they're getting ready in the morning and in their homes. And Lord, we don't know how to do all that. But Lord, I know that if one day at a time we'll say, God, I want to do that, You'll show us what to say. You'll show us when to be quiet. You'll bring the right books, the right audio tools, the right friends, the right conversations, the right small group, the right other parents and small group leaders for our kids. God, what a privilege to be part of a movement of God here that has a legacy of raising children to be devoted followers of Jesus who live in freedom and purpose. And Lord, we just ask that that legacy would continue. So use us as a tribe, use us as a movement to love each other's children, to raise each other's grandchildren, to point them all to the truth of your word, which leads to freedom and to life. God, we pray over the souls of every child who's represented in our congregation. Lord, we pray that you'd keep them from evil. We pray that you would plant in their heart a love for your word. We pray that you would inject faith into their hearts. Lord, give them love for you and love for others. Lord, bring the right friends in their lives, protect them from the wrong friends. And God, we pray that they wouldn't just survive, but that they would grow up to be a mighty generation for you. That they would grow up to be warriors of grace and truth, who know that this world is not their home and who live for eternity and who shine the bright light of Christ in a darkening world. God, protect them. And Lord, we acknowledge that as inadequate as we feel, you've ordained from eternity past that we are the ones to raise these specific kids and grandkids. So give us urgency, give us confidence, give us motivation, give us strength and power, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.